intake form. It's got a personal, medical, and sexual history. And then it has questions that I want people to answer. Is that your phone? No, it's yours. Oh. <laughs> That's good. It's just one of my clients who is telling me how she's doing after a session yesterday. It's a woman that hasn't had sex for seven years. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is Sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. So yeah. So yeah, anybody who wants to do work with me, I want them to fill out an intake form first. That way they're clear on what I'm offering in my sessions and also for them to get in touch with their relationship and sexual histories to write that down and to share that and it starts to bring your emotional material up it starts to get people engaged in their emotional body and that way then when we do a session it's that much more present and they're more able to release whatever needs to be released this is robert silber and he is would you call yourself a therapist i'm a therapist in some regards I don't bill myself that way. I'm uh-huh. more of a coach. I see. Um, and I'm and a, like a somatic I, healer. Yeah. With, like, I, so you work with the body and energy and sexuality. It's holistic healing. As some people may know, If I'm a massage therapist. And typically, if people are doing massage, they're not supposed to be doing counseling work. That's uh, what you go because see the body and the mind are completely separate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. basically, you know, groups of people, whether it's doctors or lawyers or engineers or people, they carve out a certain territory. And this is the type of material that they tend to work on. And legally, then they preclude other people from, from working in those areas. And that makes sense, except for the fact that in terms of health and healing, it's all interrelated. Our minds, our bodies, our emotions they're all obviously interconnected. And so the, with the work that I'm doing, um, I may do hands-on work as well as doing emotional work, uh, as well as doing communication work, counseling. Um, I weave in a lot of meditation, even nutrition counseling. I've got a lot of years of experience um, in terms of nutrition. So, you know, it's the whole package of like, well, how can we be really vibrant and healthy and alive and joyful? And for a lot of people, it has to do with emotions and probably the the core place where we tend to hide is in sex. So his website is ConsciousSexuality.com. Uh, conscious Sensuality. Conscious Sensuality. Yeah. .com because it's about sensations. Yeah. For me, the reason why I focus on sensuality and not just sexuality is to me, sensuality is a much broader field than sexuality. And what I want people to tune into is that more than just having a better sex life, we can have a much more pleasurable, sensual experience of life that may not have to do with sex. It may not have to do with genital contact. Um, Just feeling better in our bodies, being able to, to give or receive touch in a way that's sensual and pleasurable, um, and that it doesn't actually have to necessarily move into um, a sexual experience. And that in and of itself um, means repatterning how we're looking at connection and relationship and sexuality. And a lot of it for me is about shifting out of 
using sex for an emotional release. Mm. And my experience is, is that <clears throat> due to our sex negative conditioning, many people engage sexually to meet non-sexual needs. Tension release or connection with a partner or... They want to feel connected with a partner, which is fine. And sex is certainly a great way to Oxytocin connect with Oxytocin does help. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really important that we really only engage sexually when we actually feel desire for it. And I work mainly with women. And one of the biggest things that's shutting down women is that for a long time in their lives, a lot of women have engaged sexually when they didn't actually want to. Right. They were just doing it because they felt like they had to because they're the girlfriend or maybe they haven't put out in a while so they have to and blah, blah, blah. And Well, he did take me out on a date and so... Exactly. So, and, you know, and certainly also working with men and getting men aware, wow, how can I actually meet my needs by myself without a partner? Uh, One of the things that I did... And their sensual needs, not just their sexual needs. Because they can have an orgasm in 15 seconds, but are you really going to feel better? Right. Exactly. And so, you know, I work with people and doing things like self-pleasure rituals, which... That can mm. sound very edgy to people. Make it a whole ritual. Yeah. I mean, I created a uh, hour-long CD. It's My understanding is it's the first of its kind in the world. It combines theta brainwave technology with sound healing tones, um, and then it's a guided hour-long body meditation. And I basically take you on a journey for an hour into your own body. And That's so exciting <laughs> for me. Because I'm totally an audio nerd. And a ritual around self-pleasuring. So awesome. Because most people have shame about it. They think, oh, masturbation, it's totally. a bad thing. It means thing. to disturb with the hand. That's what the word means. Yeah. yeah. So how can we repattern that and actually go back in time when we and were... And make it not just about touching my genitals, but right. about Our whole body my whole self. And, actually, and, and I, loving myself. And I recommend to people that they take an hour once a week and they actually just drop into a deep state of relaxation and meditation and then just get some nice coconut oil, get some more of the massage oil, and you just actually you put on the CD and then you go, go on a journey and actually, wow, I'm going to feel so relaxed. And then when we're in that state of relaxation with awareness, we're in our parasympathetic nervous system. And it's a completely different neurological experience than when you're building up tension. And most men, I'm a man, I'll speak for most men, Uh, Most men, their pattern around masturbation is to watch some type of explicit visual material, commonly known as porn, and they're building up a lot of tension, and then we have the big release, Mm -hmm. and then we feel relaxed, but we don't have consciousness. Mm. Awareness. Yeah, so how do we get into a space where we have deep relaxation and nourishment And we have consciousness. And we have awareness. Well, and I think also most men are trying not to have an orgasm too soon. So they are on purpose trying to become less aware of their sensations. Uh, What I'm hearing you say is that to delay ejaculation, men disconnect from their sensation as opposed to diving deeper into feeling their sensation and their emotions. It's like, oh, I'm going to think about, you know... Baseball. The football team or whatever, yeah. so I don't... Or my grandmother. So I don't shoot my load. Exactly. Something As opposed like that. to... One of the biggest technologies is that I find effective is one of the most simple technologies, and that is the pause. And having communication with your partner and being able to say, 
pause. Hey, sweetie, I need to reconnect to myself. I need to reconnect to you. Let's just lay here and breathe for a couple minutes. And it's amazing what happens if people allow themselves to make sound and to breathe and then to actually move their bodies in a way that creates more relaxation and ease. And of course, for some men, then they think, oh, well, I might mo- lose my uh, erection. erection. So what's going to happen? Oh, my God, I'm going to oh lose God, my I'm erection. Gonna, uh, and it's like. But feeling your erection get hard again is really fun. <laughs> so don't worry about that too much. Yeah, I mean, most women actually be really happy if you're able to to just pause and then, oh, maybe, you know, have a cup of tea and hang out for a little bit. And then it's like, oh, the energy starts flowing again. Yeah, oh, great. Let's go ahead and move into that space. Cuddle. Yeah. yeah. Touch so, other parts of the body. So, you know, a lot of these things, yes, um, definitely there are techniques uh, in terms of body work, uh, in terms of breath work. There's visualizations. There's like all sorts of different techniques we can do. For me, the biggest thing I work with people on is emotional awareness. Um, actually getting people to really tune in. What's the core emotion that's being stimulated? And actually gaining choice over how we respond to that emotion. And it may sound simple, but... Or mo- it may be that most people don't even know where the beginning of what you're talking about is. Yeah, it's... You um, mean sexually when they're experiencing sex, what emotions Any are emotion, being? any emotion. What I find is that sex is probably the fastest way to bring up whatever our core emotions are. Whatever has not been expressed, whatever has not been dealt with, whatever has not been brought into conscious awareness, that's going to end up showing in your sex life. So if people want to, and this is a challenging path, you can dive into your sexuality and you can say, well, I'm going to actually use my sexuality to increase my awareness. I'm going to use my relationships. I'm going to use my body. I'm going to use my sensuality to increase my awareness. And that's why for me, when I talk about conscious sensuality, I say using sensation to increase awareness. So if someone's having a strong emotion, I might say, what do you notice in your body? Someone might say, I'm just so angry at my partner. And I'll say, oh, and what do you notice in your body? My fists are clenched. My belly is tight. And I'm like, great. Breathe into that. And then how do we move that energy so that it doesn't even matter what your partner does? How can you use that energy in a way that's actually going to build your personal power and your awareness Um, as opposed to depleting you and and leaving you feeling powerless. So just getting that ahead of the curve so that we can get in the place where we have an emotion and we don't have to react, that we actually move into a place of conscious response. And when I work with clients, I'm talking about, it's a basically there's a four-step process. When we're a baby, we have unconscious reactions. We cry. We laugh. We smile. Whatever we do, we do it without consciousness. We're just reacting to the stimulation. And then at a certain point, we're repressed. Because you are civilized as a child. You're supposed to do it this way. You're supposed to have this, be a big girl, be a big boy. And it's usually out of fear. Usually Mm -hmm. we're afraid of making mom or dad mad because they might, 
either hit us or even just be ignore us ignore or us or they might talk in mean to us talk mean to us so we're two three years old four years old and we we're just scared. we we're scared and we stop doing the things that are natural and some of that is a natural socialization some of it though is really harmful particularly around masturbation particularly around how we move our emotions and the the key neurological link between when we start to dissociate sexually um, that happens oftentimes because of the shame we feel around masturbation and if you're a young boy or young girl you touch your genitals at a certain point you're like wow it feels good and it's like well why shouldn't i do that it feels good that's a strange thing and then we have a, a neurological disconnect there and at the same time usually also we're told you shouldn't throw a tantrum which that's a good idea. Yeah, you don't want kids getting older and every time they get upset, they break things and they throw a fit. But can you move that energy with breath, sound, and movement in a way that doesn't hurt yourself or anyone or doesn't damage anything and actually gains you gain mastery over how to move your emotion? When you get really advanced in your awareness, you don't necessarily have to move all of your emotions. But in the beginning... So instead of like saying, I'm really angry and not expressing it or expressing it in a negative way, like saying something that you're going to regret later, you're a bad person and I hate you and yelling and breaking something, you could just be like, <sighs> yeah, deep breath. I think I feel right. I think I feel I'm experiencing anger right now. I'm not blaming you for that anger, but this is what I'm feeling. And the reason is, is because what I perceived is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And one of the biggest keys I find is actually not doing that with your partner. Oh, like doing it by yourself. Doing it by yourself or that in the beginning. Because that figure out what's going on first. In the beginning, actually expanding your circle of intimacy to have other people that you can work with that will help you release your emotions. And this is the benefit. I've lived in a lot of intentional communities of having a bigger field of intimacy. And right away, I know a lot of people listening to this will say, oh, this is going to be one of those kind of sex cults. Everyone's sleeping with each other. It's really dangerous. It's weird. And it's like, And by no. sleeping, they mean having sex <laughs> <Right>. anyway. <laughs> what I'm talking <laughs> about when I say intimacy is not sexuality. Intimacy means knowing what your emotions are and sharing that at a deeper level. And I actually find that that really supports all relationships, whether they're sexual, non-sexual, monogamous, polyamorous, whatever it is, having a bigger field of intimacy. So we're not looking to get all of these non-sexual needs met from our sexual relationship. And that's one of the biggest keys I find. And even your like touch needs, like mm -hmm. cuddle needs and hug needs and right. kiss needs. Exactly. And you can meet all of those needs um, with other people and not put so much stress on that one sexual relationship if you're if you have a long term monogamous relationship, which um, I think is it's actually really, really key. So having that emotional awareness um, and then and then getting to a place of conscious response where we have a strong emotion, we're aware of it, and then we choose, okay, hmm, this is not an appropriate time to throw a tantrum or hit pillows or yell and scream. I'm just gonna note this, and then when I can get in a space where I can move this energy out, I can do that, and I can do it in a number of different ways. 
using breath, sound, and movement. Those are really the three keys for emotional release. And people here may have seen my friend Margot Nan's book. It's a classic, Art of Sexual Ecstasy. And she talks about the three keys to expanding pleasure, expanding orgasm, expanding your awareness, and it's breath, sound, and movement. Because we are animals, and these are the tools that we can use to expand our personal power and our awareness. Um, and for many people, we're really locked into this idea that, oh, if we're going to be spiritual, if we're going to be conscious, we're going to be quiet and peaceful and meditative. And maybe even non-sexual. And maybe even non-sexual. Um, but if we want to actually gain power and awareness um, and do that um, in a way that's not shutting down our natural drives, our natural instincts, but it's actually gaining mastery over our natural instincts and drives. Um, these are some of the technologies we can use. How do you use sensation to connect that with awareness? I also want to talk a little bit about how this affects people's sexuality, but I think the, the awareness question is, is enough because uh, there are a lot of meditation techniques that use sensation as a meditative focus. There's the stroking, like anyone that's doing any sort of deliberate orgasm, orgasmic meditation, the pleasure expansion technique, the full body expanded orgasm, like they're using the sensations of clitoral stimulation as a focus, as if it's kind of like a meditation, like to focus the mind yeah. on the sensations of the clitoris. Yeah, I was at... But Vipassana does this too. It's very similar, and you're, you're alluding to, uh, to one taste in some of the other places. I, was, I definitely have worked with them. I've been connected with them for a number of years. And using a meditative-based sexual practice is really, really helpful. And particularly having a fairly narrow focus in the beginning just to get comfortable because so many people, even if they've been in a long-term relationship, they still don't feel comfortable even taking their clothes off with their partner. They don't actually feel comfortable looking their partner in the eye. They don't feel comfortable expressing themselves vocally during sex with their yeah. partner. And many guys don't make noise during sex at all. Like even when they're having an orgasm, they make this tiny little sound. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that the way that I term it is expanding the emotional range and expanding the range of sensation. And those two ranges, the range of sensation and the range of emotion are so intimately the range tied together. Of sensations that you're aware of. Yeah. And that you experience. So if you can expand your range of sensation, you can also expand your range of emotion and if you and vice versa. So we do different rituals, practices, exercises that will expand the range of emotion and sensation. And I want to really tune into, because sometimes people will think, wow, this may sound a little weird. You're doing practices with different people and it's not just like making love. It's like you're in some sort of weird meditative state when you should just be feeling love in your heart. And oh, because sex should be about love, but making it about a practice of awareness, that seems false to them? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people feel uncomfortable with it, and what I would say is that actually it's a good thing to practice, and then once you've done your practice, then you let go of your practice. It's sort of like you're playing music, and to play music, we first learn to play the scales. Mm -hmm. 
we don't just play scales, but we practice. And then when we want to play music or if you want to play jazz, you want to improvise, um, it's really useful to know the basics of how to play music first. And I would say the same thing with sexuality and sensuality. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to be engaging sexually with a lot of different people, but it does mean that if you can practice skills around emotional awareness and around touch, around communication, you're going to be that much further ahead when you do engage sexually with your partner or with anybody else. So how does becoming more aware of your sensations and using that awareness to like tap into your emotions, how does that affect sexuality? Because I think many people see those see sexuality as a thing that's very separate. Oh, that you're saying the connection between emotion and sexuality. Mm, and sensation. And sensation. Yeah, well, they're very intimately linked, at least for me personally, if I'm engaging with someone sensually or, or sexually, there is emotion that's involved. And it's really important that we are able to access that and even be able to describe what's coming up for us and that's where being able to pause and even just talk and say, huh, yeah, I'm noticing I'm having a, a memory is coming up. So when I'm doing sexual healing and empowerment work uh, with a woman, I might have my hand somewhere in her body. And if I'm just there. Any particular place or just somewhere? Different places like on, on the body. On her thigh, on her back. Yeah, if my hand, say, is over her heart mm-hmm. and I'm just letting my hand rest there, all of a sudden like a memory may come up. And one of her memories or yeah, one, one of, of yours? one of her memories of something to do with a relationship. It doesn't even have to be sexual. It could be And it'll come into your mind or her mind? It'll come into her mind and it's like mm-hmm. having that place where we can drop in and actually feel what's happening and to communicate it and to release it. And really when we're doing sexual healing and empowerment work, more than a technique around like, oh, I'm using my hand and I'm doing this thing, it's like just presence and awareness and holding space for someone to feel their emotions, to remember memories that are being stimulated, and using tools and techniques then to actually release that and clear that out so you're in the present moment. And that's, that's really the biggest um, thing more than any particular technique. And I do work with people um, through the workshops so that even if you're just wanting to work with your own partner, you can learn techniques to deal with Um, what's coming up. So a lot of men might say like, I don't understand why, you know, we're making love. It seems really beautiful. And then all of a sudden she starts crying. She's having some memory. She's shutting down and it's like, okay, well, how do you deal with that? And how do you deal with the fact that if your partner is having a strong emotion, how do you be with that emotion? How do you be with that without, without without trying to fix it and without you getting re-stimulated And saying, just like parents would say to a three-year-old child who's having a strong emotion, and the reason the parents are usually shutting down that kid is because they've been suppressing their emotions. The adult has Yeah, and so if we have any emotional material that is being suppressed, when we are around someone who is expressing their emotions, it's highly stimulating to us. And you can liken it to... In sexuality, so say a woman is highly orgasmic, it'd be very difficult for a man who doesn't have a a wide range of sensation or a wide range of emotion to be making love with a woman that's highly orgasmic, making a lot of sound, having a lot of orgasms, and for him not to ejaculate because 
his range of sensation and his range of emotion isn't able to integrate that amount of energy. So it's not just about what we're doing on the physical level. It's the emotion. So how much sensation and energy can your nervous system contain without either reacting with orgasm or reacting with, and especially as a parent, you'd be like, you really aren't doing it right. Because yeah. my culture has told me that I need to contain myself. And that's how you remain safe and do business and are grown up in the real world. So I'm going to teach you that. Yeah. And I mean, this is what's so challenging is that we're being told all the time, every day, be contained, be contained, stay cool, be contained. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to like, you know, get behind closed doors and turn off the lights. And we're supposed to be these wild, open, sexually liberated people because it's the 21st century. And even if we don't have a whole big religious upbringing or a lot of guilt, shame, and fear to deal with, which actually most of us do around sexuality, even if we don't have all that stuff, just by the fact that we're not practicing moving our energy and moving our emotion, we're just simply not going to have the emotional range to reach higher states of pleasure, of erotic trance, without dissociating. And for people even just to tune into what's the difference between a dissociative state and a state of high erotic trance. A lot mm. of people actually can't distinguish Tell that. The difference. Um, and that's because really they crucial. they tend to go away. Their, their awareness tends to go away when they're in a state of high erotic, what did you call it? I call it erotic trance. Erotic trance. Yeah, and so to be able to integrate the experience. And I mean, the other reason for this is that you know, a lot of people are using drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. when they're engaging sexually. I mean, it's very common for people the Just first time that they connect with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're wanting to let go. So what do they do? Have well, a glass of wine, two, three glasses, maybe a, have a marijuana cigarette, whatever it is. And then, oh, now I'm loosened up. Now I can connect. Well, the reason why you're doing this is because you're dissociating and you're actually, you're actually shrinking your range of sensation in totally. a sense. And you're not going to be able to integrate it. And it's not to say that it's always bad to use some substance, but I really encourage people not to do that, at least at the beginning of a, of a new relationship. Because when you set those sexual patterns, if you are drinking alcohol, it's going to be harder later to build that authentic connection. Because neurologically, you've, you've got an imprint then, hmm. a certain type of patterning. Interesting. So let's describe a little bit what is an erotic trance, because some really interesting and magical things happen, both from a kind of a woo-woo energetic tantric place, but also neurologically. The parasympathetic nervous system is engaged. Parts of our brains are turning on and turning off. So it's really an interesting place that we inhabit in our brains, and some really special stuff happens. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've had incredible experiences where uh, it's not even so much that anything is happening on a physical level, but just I'm in such a deep state of relaxation, and there's a lot of energy that's flowing. And what distinguishes the erotic trance from a dissociative state is that I'm having a really strong energetic experience, and I have full awareness of what's going on as opposed to a dissociative state where I'm literally lost and I'm Just not, not I'm not anymore. I'm not witnessing myself. And this is where the 
practices around meditation are so useful. To build the energy and to increase your range, things like yoga and dance, I actually find dance is probably the most helpful thing to expand the emotional range and the ability to connect fluidly with other people. But to build the awareness, meditative practices, um, and I do this in session with clients and in the workshops, every ritual, every exercise, every practice begins and ends with a meditation so that we just bring it back and go, huh, what do I notice in my body right now? What are my emotions right now? And, you know, people might think, oh, well, it's almost kind of boring. But believe me, you have a really strong experience with someone. You need five or ten minutes to meditate and ground and actually integrate that experience. And so when people are making love, I really encourage for people to drop into meditation at the end for at least a couple minutes where you're just breathing, you're not even moving. Ideally, a man has not ejaculated. He can stay inside of her until his erection has decreased so that he's not pulling out while there's still this strong energetic connection. You want to be inside. You want to be physically linked up and hooked up in that way and then use that energy, sublimate that energy throughout your whole neurological system. That's what's actually going to nourish you and give you a lot of health and vitality is to build that energy up and then to absorb it. So I imagine your listeners, you've probably talked to people that have done Taoist work. You're doing microcosmic orbit. You're visualizing energy moving through your body. We missed Uh, the microcosmic orbit. You haven't talked, haven't about, talked that. about that? Oh, okay. Well, that's there's a whole body work around that's coming out of Asia that's been around for thousands of years that has to do with using sex to increase your vitality by essentially you're building up energy and then you're circulating it through your system as oh, opposed to just building right. it up and then releasing it through your genitals. So we have talked about multiple orgasms for men. There was an interview that we did with Dr. James Rolwing, who's also from Hawaii, by the okay. way. But we have been more focused on like, how can men have multiple orgasms? And how can we not feel depleted by sex? Right. Like how, you know, how can we experience more energy in our bodies rather than just having the crotch sneeze? Exactly. At you. <laughs> so let's talk about expanding the emotional range and why that's good. You talked about how dance was really helpful to expand your emotional range, and I wasn't quite sure what that means. Well, what I find for me personally is that I like I like to dance, and when I'm dancing, I'm really moving my whole body. Ideally, I'm making sound, and this is the, kind of the five rhythms ecstatic dance variety where it's free-form dance, where there's a really supportive environment for people just to be able to make whatever sound or movement wants to come out. We just kind of get to trance out, get into more of our animalistic nature, and at the same time, because we're not using drugs or alcohol, we are in full awareness. We're in our bodies, we're feeling our bodies, we're feeling our emotions, and we have full awareness of what's going on. Let's talk a little bit about consciousness, because consciousness to some people means like I'm aware of myself, I'm aware that I exist, but also in this particular meaning, it also has to do with being present and how that connects to sensation and your body. So how does consciousness connect to your body? 
Because really, most people think of consciousness as a mental thing. This is why emotions are so important, because emotions mediate between our minds and our bodies. If you think about our brains, the brain stem controls our autonomic nervous system. Okay, so the back of your head, the top of your neck, that whole area, your medulla oblongata, all those parts of your brain stem, those control the parts of the brain that keep you alive. Your heartbeat. Right. And what happens is when we're human beings, we get this wonderful thing called the cerebral cortex. This is what most people think of actually as the brain. And the key part that's different about being a human being than, say, being a lizard is we actually have the self-reflective capacity. We actually can think about ourselves. We can actually see ourselves in our mind's eye. We can be more than just immersed in the present moment. But what that also means is that we have to actually use some of that consciousness to bring ourselves fully back into the present moment. So animals... Because most of us are like always thinking about the future and always thinking about the past and always thinking about what am I supposed to be doing right now and instead of what am I doing right now and experiencing what you're doing. And especially when you're having sex, if you're not actually experiencing what you're doing right now, you're probably not going to be feeling that much. Exactly. But that's kind of the normal with people. So women are like, you know, why can't I get aroused? And men are like, why can't I keep an erection? Is it's because we're... always thinking about during sex, we're thinking about, instead of thinking about, hmm, I feel this, that feels really good. We're thinking about, am I doing it right? Do I look funny? Does this person really like me? Or whatever it is. You know, are we thinking about baseball because we're trying not to ejaculate? Exactly. (laughs) So this is where tuning in to the emotions are so important because these emotions, actually the limbic system, which controls the emotion, that mediates between the sensation and the thoughts okay so you have a thought it creates an emotion that creates a sensation in your body it can move that way or you can have a sensation in your body and that creates an emotion which creates a thought okay Um, as mammals we're social creatures so our emotions are really important to us Um, and gaining some mastery over the emotions is going to enable us to be that much more present. So we're not just distracted by, say, we notice, oh, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling sad, I feel aroused. Um, not only are we just, we're not just reacting to that. If we have the meditative awareness, then we can say, yeah, I'm noticing feeling angry, I'm feeling sad, I feel aroused, and I'm fully present and I'm fully engaged with it. So I'm not just. So I'm not pretending that I don't feel this way. I'm not just trying to contain it and. Pretend like I'm okay. And the biggest thing that enables couples to have a really good sex life is being honest. With each other and with themselves. And just saying, you know what, whatever it is, even though I might feel ashamed, it's like, oh, sweetie, I'm so embarrassed. I really desire, feel, oh, God, when our babysitter came over on Friday night, and I know she's like 15 years younger than me, I was like, oh my God, I felt so much arousal. If you can actually just say that and another person could hear that and you could just go, hmm, yeah, I hear that. And not <laughs> not judge it and, and freak not out judge and feel it, not like freak you're out. Less oh my God, this is a bad thing. I shouldn't feel that. Just, just go, oh, How yeah, could you? I noticed that. 
And But you also talked about doing that with someone that maybe isn't your partner at first. Like yes, a, and to like expand a the friend or a therapist to expand the emotional range, it's really important that we don't do emotional release work with our partner at first. It's an advanced practice to share our intense emotions with our sexual partner because there's already a lot of charge well, with our sexual partner. Already so open and vulnerable with that person. Yeah. So what I recommend people do is they can work with me and then once they learn the tools, they can work with other people who have learned tools around emotion and communication and how to gain mastery over the emotions. And then also even just to learn tools of independent resolution where you can actually talk to a pillow and you can say, oh, wow, you can talk to the pillow as if it's another person and actually go through and you might think, oh, this is so silly. Why would I do that? God, I'm going to feel so stupid. I'm talking to a pillow. But neurologically, it works. Because if there are things that you thought, if there are things that you repressed yourself from saying, and you actually just go through the movement of saying it, neurologically, that that creates complete. Hmm. You're creating a complete circuit of the energy. So there was an energy. It's like, oh, there's a stimulation. Say there's sexual stimulation. Oh, you see someone, you're attracted to them, you feel aroused. If you don't say it, that's going to keep driving you. Mm. So for me, if I notice there's a woman that I'm attracted to, I might just, you know, say that to myself. Wow. Mm, I find you really attractive. Or and you not know, necessarily to her, but I just don't to necessarily yourself. have to say it, but I want to bring it into conscious awareness. And ideally, I want to even speak it. Mm-hmm. And if there are ones that are even more difficult, say I have a lot of fear, I have a lot of anger about something, I want to be able to actually practice saying that to someone. And that way, then when I do share it with my partner, it doesn't have such a strong emotional charge and they can integrate it. So usually what we're thinking of when we say, oh, someone's doing something bad or they're doing something wrong, it's really the case that they're doing something that we can't integrate into our consciousness. They're just doing something that we're not able to fully experience without blocking it. It's emotionally too painful to think about our partner desiring someone else. It's emotionally too painful to think about whatever it is and then we just block and then we start to dissociate. And that's what I'm talking about with the the range of emotion. And so a lot of people say, well, what the heck does this have to do with sex? And it has everything to do with sex because when we can... Because so much about sex, we block. I mean, we block arousal, we block, you know, feeling things. I mean, you're not supposed to be attracted to another person other than your partner. All of this stuff. Yeah. Not supposed to get turned on around people that you're not going to have sex with. Yeah, and arousal is just a natural part of life. We get aroused, we feel turned on, we feel attracted. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to do anything with it. Or we might decide we want to do something with it. And then having that ability, I mean, for me in my own personal life, being able to just tell a woman that I feel attracted to her without an attachment or an expectation, but just to be able to say that really clearly and plainly, very powerful and women typically are very responsive to that because what that does is it connotes 
that I have emotional mastery, mm. and then they're going to feel a lot safer. They're mm -hmm. going to say, oh, here's a guy who knows what he's feeling and is able to articulate it. That's sexy. It is. It is. And it also, because so many guys, because of the whole way that we acculturate men, don't cry, be a big boy, and on the whole winning aggression, competitiveness, masculinizing experiences are about shutting down emotions. If you've been able to luckily escape some of that, it's so much easier to have a relationship with someone like that. <laughs> yeah. So how can you make sure that you're creating a safe space for yourself to be sensual and to express your emotions? Take time to do individual practice. Like by yourself. By yourself. Meditation, yoga, even dancing by yourself, moving your body, getting out in nature, going somewhere where you can move your body and make sound is extremely important because there are all these experiences in life that we're not able to integrate because we just haven't fully experienced it because we're blocking it because it has an emotional content and we're not actually fully allowing it in. And then the other thing is to find other people who are interested in a similar path. And you're going to find that through people who are interested in dance, meditation, yoga, communication practices, even, you know, if, if you're part of a 12-step program, people are accessing their emotional body, they're sharing, they're opening up. That's going to create a lot of ground for people to start to really integrate their emotions. And for people who don't live in the consciousness and sexuality capitals of the world, Hawaii and San Francisco, where it's easy to find people who believe in this kind of community creation and conscious sexuality. What are some of the ways that people can connect with the work? Resources, books, websites, search terms, that they might be able to learn more about this kind of practice? Yeah, well, you can certainly go to my website, which is www.consciousensuality.com. And if you just Google conscious sensuality, I'm the first thing that comes up. I do work with people via Skype and phone. I travel and teach workshops. And I focus a lot on building communities in different areas. So if there's 12 people that want me to come to an area for a weekend, I'm happy to do a workshop. And then I'll actually teach you the skills so that you can keep a community going where you can meet on a regular basis and share what's going on. You can practice communication skills, emotional skills, and doing touch practices. And I find really for a lot of people, they say, oh, I really want to find a partner and I'm just so hungry and starved for touch. There's absolutely no reason why you can't engage in touch that's nourishing and pleasurable that doesn't have to engage with your genitals at all. And that's going to actually nourish you and get you to a place where you really have a lot more choice and you're not so desperate for a relationship and you're not going to compromise and you're not going to do things that you don't want to do just because you're so desperate for that connection. And I think that that's really, for me, that, that sense of community is really, really important. Yeah. What about people who really live in faraway places like China? You know, where can they get more information about this work? I would just, you know, there are so many resources out there. There's a lot of people that are use the term Tantra. There are, I mean, it just amazes me how many people around the world are, are looking for this information mm -hmm. and they're finding it. And you just need yeah, to look, China, you, the just, Middle East and you just need to look, uh, start just Africa searching, and you know, looking through 
the internet and just seeing, well, what resonates with me? Mm-hmm. And you find this person, this resonates, and then you go, well, where are their links? And then, and that's how I got involved in doing this because I was in my marriage and I was grappling with some of these issues around emotion and my sexuality, and I just started researching it. What I find is that people that are teaching are usually extremely open and helpful and you know you'll find you'll find the path that really resonates with you if you're looking for it you'll find someone that you feel resonant with their approach you feel comfortable with their energy Um, and then i'd really encourage you to to take it on and actually to spend the money buy the books do the courses hire a coach because when you get your emotions and sexual energy working together not only are you going to have so much more fun and so much more pleasure you're gonna have so much more energy that's gonna give you so much more abundance in your life, and that is gonna bring in more money. So a lot of times people just think, oh God, I, you know, I can't afford to do a session, I can't afford to do a workshop. That'd be like a week's worth of you know, money to go do a workshop. Those are the investments that are really gonna pay huge dividends in the long run because it's gonna, it's gonna give you that, that energy and that power. Robert Silver, it's just such a pleasure to sit in this bed with you and talk about conscious sensuality. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It was really nice talking to you, Monica. You can subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically. Or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com.